0: In my new book with Mark Tim, mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com.
1: Welcome to the podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Mark Patterson. In every facet of his life, he scales personal and professional summits. He's a former NFL player, philanthropist, podcaster, successful entrepreneur, and executive at Sports Illustrated, and he has now climbed all seven summits, completing this feat by scaling Mount Everest in the spring of 2021. Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so glad. I was just looking at this graphic. I'd sent it over to some people who were asking about it, and uh, climbing mountains uh, over 25,000 feet in Nepal uh top the list for most dangerous in other words the most amount of deaths happen (laughs) in nepal so we just barely beat out base jumping which i have no desire to do right But, but i'm so glad i'm sitting here having a chat with you
1: awesome well we're glad you have survived all of it and more along the way I know we can't possibly do your story justice in half an hour. I mean, the NFL has an entire movie devoted to you. Yeah. Let's go back in time just a little bit and 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 do the I mean there's so many highlights, but let's start at the beginning. Let's start at at the at the NFL career.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, things don't you just don't go to climbing Mount Everest or go play in the NFL in one swoop and one jump. Um it's really started for me growing up in Seattle, Washington, which, you know, really became a, a product of the environment of climbing mountains up there when I was a little kid, not big ones, but, you know, hiking. And um, we've got uh, a number of different uh, mountain ranges around there, certainly kind of the crown jewels mountain Rainier. But yeah, I grew up playing all the kind of the big three sports. It seems like today things have really been pared down to just select sports and pick one and that's it. But um, really played kind of the big three basketball, football and baseball and and ultimately, kind of turned out that football was something that I really um, was, was really adapted for me. I just felt like I was born with a football in my hands, the way I was able to see the field and, and do different things. And, and uh, went on to high school, had you know, some success there, and, which led to a scholarship, um, had a number of different offers, and ended up going to the University of Washington, which is right there in Seattle. And so I didn't go too far. Probably the whole circumference was about six miles, you know, between where I grew up, high school and college. Uh, But I went there doing kind of the heyday of the University of Washington. You know, there's a legendary coach that came out of there, Don James. He really taught me what it took. And I just heard this quote yesterday and I love it. Um, But, you know, greatness is a grind. And if you want to excel at anything you do, whether it's podcasting, or your job, or climbing mountains, or playing professional sports, or whatever—you know—it's hard to get there, and to, for you to separate yourself. And it really gave me the tools in college, learning kind of his blueprint on what to do. That then allowed me to go through kind of the process. I one to the combines back back then, which ultimately I was drafted by the then LA Raiders. We're now talking to, uh, about them as the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: All right. And then the longer version of the story, obviously, is in your books and in your programs. Um, What then happened in the NFL that kind of changed your life and sent you on a little different direction?
0: Well, I mean, look, everybody has their, their course or where they're going to go in their life. And, and, you know, I like scratched and clawed and fought my way through five years in the NFL and I was traded and cut and, you know, this and that, but somehow or another, I I got to that magical five-year mark. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I would love to say I retired, but I really got thrown out. (laughs) And, and so now I come back and, and, uh, it's just like, what am I going to do now? Um, and, and having, you know, when you're 29 years old and you spent so much time and I'm counting college too, I was there five years another five years, 10 years of life doing one particular thing, really. Um, and all of a sudden, like, what is my new skill set I really had to figure it out. And I went through probably two years of a lot of pain to just so frustrated. Cause I had all this energy. I wanted to do something great, but I had no clue what to do. Cause I had no skills to do anything. And, um, one thing led to another, and I ended up over probably a 20 year period of time, um uh starting some different companies all multi-million dollar producers and and um I, actually one of them was a venture back company a gaming company that was eventually sold um so that was a lot of uh uh experience in the work world and just trying to figure out and using using the power of curiosity on how you figure things out. Uh, and then uh somewhere in the middle there I got married and had kids and and it was about 10 plus years ago that, my marriage started to fall apart, and really looking for, um, you know, a way—not necessarily a way out—but trying to figure it out because I was so committed to the end, and it's something that I didn't want that my my now ex wanted, and and so one day I was I was walking around the block, and it just came to me like, um, you know, you got to do something radical. You got to do something so extraordinary that's going to really pull you out of this hole. It can't be just like running a ten k. I wanted to do something athletic. I knew it wasn't gonna be just like a, a 10K or something. And so I went back to my house, I typed in the computer and I found that new NFL player had ever climbed the seven summits. I said, I'm gonna be that guy. And so for people who don't know, the seven summits are the highest peaks around the world. And, and, and so at the end of the day here, we, we sit here now, I've completed Mount Everest and the seven summits uh, a few months ago, but that project took me nine years to nail seven of those mountains and two of those mountains I was on two, twice and then COVID got in the way and a bunch of stuff. So, you know, it was just a great lesson of, of putting a big-ass goal out there and and paying attention to detail and sticking with that commitment and never letting up despite different obstacles that that between Mother Nature and COVID that, that came up that put me off course Um, and to, to, you know, see it to the very end. And, you know, now I'm on this side. Like, now I'm asking myself again, kind of like, you know, there's different decade- periods I've been through is like, what's next now?
1: So talk a little bit about your emotional journey to get to the top of Mount Everest.
0: Well, it was a battle, you know, I think that the the biggest thing that people are surprised at, that it's, it's a two months um, that you're on the mountain. And I really call it two months of suffering. And you really got to be in for that. And and when I say that, uh, I, I don't think like, unless you're in that position, it's almost, I felt like when I came back, I was that guy that got lost at sea for two months or somebody who had been in the Hanoi Kilton camps, you know, in Vietnam back in the day for five years. Um, you know, I don't want to go that stream, but you know, you you, you, have to take your mind, your body, you're so far to, to the other side that you can't let the conveniences or the relationships that you have in life, draw you off the mountain to come back because it's just too easy to say, wait a minute, you're telling me in 24 hours, I can be in New York having a steak. You know, when you're sleeping on ice and minus you know zero degree temperatures, you're sleeping on ice. You're sleeping on rocks. You're going through the Kumbh Icefall. You know, ten out of every twelve people, you know, that go um, to out of a hundred really um, die and don't come back. There's we started with there's a total of people up there this year, 400 climbers, and of the 400, and 120 made it. You know, and so it's a long way to go and a lot of money to spend to not be fully in and fully committed to, to, to the end goal. Um, Talking about suffering when I was up there, you know, and this mainly happened on, on my uh, the last couple of days when we're going for the the summit, we got caught in a cyclone. Um, If you can imagine being in a tent and being in a sleeping bag for three days on a 45 degree slope, and it's hundred percent ice, not fun. Um, Then making it up to, to base camp 20, not base camp, but high camp 26,500 feet, um and arriving there and getting up at 12 30 or 12 o'clock, you know, that night and being the, you know, the cyclone kicked in again and I got my my eye snow blind because all these ice pelts that came um whipping across from left to right. And, and you know, it was it was a struggle. I hadn't eaten in three days. Try that, try to go walk down, and just like, hey, I'm gonna walk up to the store without eating in three days, let alone being at the top of the world. And then my Sherpa left me and I ran out of oxygen, you know. So I had all these obstacles that I was having to, you know, they're constantly coming up. And I think it's because of the preparation that I had gone through um, the months earlier. Um, I put on about 150,000 vertical feet in terms of climbing um, about two, three months before I went over to Nepal. That really helped me see it to the end.
1: What did you learn and discover about yourself getting to the summit?
0: Well, I mean, you go through a lot of, I mean, like when I, when I, I think a lot of us sometimes go through hard times, but they're not to the point where you're the, on the edge of death. Right. And so, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. This is so much that I learned about myself, but more so what became the most important thing because when you're at that moment where you don't know if you lie back, you're not gonna get back up and you don't know if you're gonna get off that mountain. I was the last guy standing on top of the world, last guy on top of the world to make my way down. And, and it's a scary place to be, stepping over dead bodies. And I just kept thinking about my, my two daughters, my one in particular, Amelia, who, is, who has epilepsy and what she's gone through. And it really tapped into the people that had reached out to me on social media. Uh, the people that uh, gave me a tremendous amount of support. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let my daughters down. And the most important thing was to come down. You know, I had actually put a goal and put a very public out there that I was going to go climb Everest, come down and jump in my tent for a couple of hours and then go back up Lochi, the fourth highest mountain in the world. And as I was coming down, it's just like, you know, records and being the oldest guy to ever do it and all this stuff. It didn't matter. I didn't give a shit. At that point, it was just like, you know what? The only thing that matters is somehow or another figuring out a way to get off this mountain and get back down, you know, and back home. And, and that became a whole ordeal. And so that was really became the focus. Most important things in the world um, that, that and, and still stands true today, just like, you know, that focus.
1: What were you surprised at?
0: I was surprised at, I didn't think I would have as hard a time breathing once you get that high. Uh, you know, you're at 29,000 feet. Um, I, I couldn't believe how steep it was. I mean, it just—it just like most mountains I've been on. It's steep, and then it gets relatively flat, and then it gets steep again. And it gets flatter, and this was just like going straight up the entire time. Especially once you got um, up towards, you know, up on the Lofty Face and heading towards the top, it just never gave up, and I just couldn't. And without any energy, you know, I could only go like ten steps and stop. And then I'd go, okay, I'm going to do this one for my daughter and go another 10 steps. Okay, I'm going to do this for my other daughter and go 10 steps. I'm going to do it for, you know, so-and-so who supported me all these years, you know? So it just like became this mental gymnastics over and over and over again of that. I never anticipated because I've been so strong most of the time that I was there.
1: That is absolutely incredible. Um, Is there another book coming out about your journey?
0: Uh there is uh there's a, you know, when I when I, I wrote a book, it was interesting because I wrote a book a couple of years ago and it was really just a playbook on how you get unstuck. Um, my goal is always to have a book published, and I achieved that goal. I never put it out to market for a variety of different reasons. Um, and so uh, I was contacted not too long ago from somebody, uh they're an agency down in uh down in uh, Nashville. And so we're on kind of the final leg of completing the outline to then take to a publisher and see where that goes. So, you know, hoping that within the next year, we're going to have something that's going to be out there. Well,
1: we will certainly have you back on to talk about that when the book comes out. Talk a little bit about your career, what you're doing now, how you're inspiring people beyond the climbing.
0: Well, you know, look, I, I've been a uh, executive for Sports Illustrated now for a number of years, and I love my work. That's there. We're growing the network, and we keep continuing to make our way up in terms of trying to catch ESPN. They're number one, and um, you know, it's just, it's. I, I love being able to talk sports. I love building a sports network. Um, so that's on the sports end. I do a podcast called Finding Your Summit. Um, it's always fascinating to talk to incredible people. I just had Freddie Couples on. Um, earlier today. And so for me to be able to have access to those that have done amazing things out in the world. I mean, the guy won the the the, the Masters. I mean, you know, how many guys winning the green jacket have have you interviewed? For me, it's been zero until he got to Freddie Couples. So it was fun to learn about him and Tiger Woods and some of these other guys that he hangs out with. And then I continue to raise money for my daughter, Amelia. We've, we have a, a campaign called Amelia's Everest and all proceeds go to higher ground. So it's been a really rewarding journey to be involved in philanthropy.
1: That is absolutely incredible. What is, you talked about hopefully the next book coming out. Um, Obviously you're a podcaster, you're a speaker. How, who is an ideal client for you? How do you help individuals and companies grow?
0: Well, you know, look, I, 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 I can only go in my experience, right? And, I, you know, I've, I was just on the phone with somebody. I'm, I'm speaking at a number of different places. I'm doing it virtually as well. I know that's kind of what has gone on, you know, in the last year or two with COVID. Things have really buttoned it up in terms of having public gatherings. But, um, you know, I, 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 I love sharing my story. And my story starts with really understanding the roadmap to life. And then I get into showing these insane pictures of Mount Everest to me going upside down over the top of the Kuma icefall, climbing 60 foot ice wall. what that's like, what suffering is like, what it takes to achieve greatness, you know, all those different types of things. And then I wrap it up by just saying, you know, look, this is what is worth for me. Maybe it's, this can work for you, but I didn't I do know one thing that's, it's not complicated it's pretty simple that, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason why the people with the most success typically are the hardest workers in the building. You know, they're get, when I used to play football, I got there before everybody else, I left after everybody else. I stayed on the, uh, on the field catching extra, extra football. And now today, you know, we're elevating when I first took over Sports Illustrated um, as in my role, You know, the company was ranked number 15 in the way they, they, they rank scored ESPN is number one. And now we're number six, we'll be at number five by the end of the year, we're headed towards number one and we'll get there. And there's a certain reason. There's a certain reason why I was able to climb seven summits and make it up Mount Everest. There's a certain reason why I was able to get in the NFL. It's not luck. You know, there's, there's a, there's a formula. And if I can teach anybody that formula on what has worked for me, I think it can be applicable to whatever they want to do.
1: Amen to that. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing?
0: I just, you know, I came from such a dark place 10 years ago, and I literally didn't know how I was going to climb out. And to, to be able to say that I stepped into the fear, because I didn't know, like, a, a bit, like the first time, this is sounds stupid to most people, but the first time, you know, I went to Target after I had separated and just to walk down the aisle, you know, shopping and put, I didn't know what even pots and pans to get, you know? I was terrified. Yeah. And that's a simple example. And then you take it to the extreme of climbing Mount Everest and Antarctica and going around. But by traveling in the globe, stepping into the fear, doing it, doing my uh, my my climbing, I I still work out three hours a day with daily discipline and committing to that end goal has really brought all kinds of gifts, not one of them. I mean, I work for Sports Illustrated, so I get compensated that way, but in terms of, of of I do speak and I do get paid a little bit for that, but but by and large, it's me investing my own time and money in, the other, in various projects that I do with relatively no return coming back beyond just the gifts of people interacting and, and engaging with, with many, many people that aren't nearly as fortunate as me to really understand that being grateful, being humble and kind can really take you a long way.
1: I, that is absolutely beautiful for... Our folks watching and listening who want to learn more about all things Mark Patterson, where is the best place for them to go?
0: All my social channels, everything else is all bundled up in a nice little bow at www.markpattersonnfl.com. I'm all over Google. So uh, just type it in, you'll find it and it can direct you. There's even the link to the movie that NFL did, which is now on YouTube, um, which can be, be be seen there. But uh, podcasts, philanthropy, social chabs, they're all right there.
1: All right. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Mark Patterson. Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. Really appreciate it.
1: Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll see you or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level, but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today.
2: This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.